Okay, Today's daf is Memtet, in keeping with the fact that we were just discussing the Yovel, 49. Aha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> yes, so we're on the last line of Memchad HaMagbet, and we started a new parak, which is Morti Kun Olam, both here that's sort of bringing us into a very different realm, like a whole Choshen Mishpat collecting of debts, and different Tikkun Olam in terms of which type of uh, creditors and people to uh, whom money is owed can collect from what type of property. Um, and just to just quickly say the first point of the Mishnah dividing a three-way division, somebody who has been damaged, has had uh, property, a person damaged, can collect from the edict, from the top grade uh, property. Uh, we're talking about real estate. Let's call them A, B, and C for future reference to make things easier. Can collect from grade A real estate of the damager. Somebody who has is a creditor who's lent money can collect from the grade B property, real estate. And a woman for her ksuva can collect from the grade C. And there's a tikkun um, sort of logic um, in all of those. So the obvious one that we're fo- the one we're focusing on now is the person who's been damaged. And the tikkun olam is you want the damager to pay of the most quality property, the highest, the grade A property, to help them be more uh, careful, less negligent, and so on in terms of inflicting injury or allowing injury to occur to another person. Now the Gemara's question is: is that that's not actually a tikkun olam of the rabbis? That's actually in the verse. It says metav sadeu metav kamo yisraelin when somebody's um, animal goes and grazes in somebody else's field. So the Gemara says, well, this is according to Rabbi Yishmael, who would say that from the Torah's perspective, it means the best of the fields of the Nizak, of the Damagee. And the Tikkun Olam is establishing that it's the best of the fields of the Damager. So the Gemara is trying to figure out what that means, the best of the fields of the Damagee. First it thought it meant, and then it rejected, that that meant that if your animal um, consumed one acre of my grade C property, you'd have to pay for an acre of my grade A property. That, of course, doesn't make any sense. So now the Gemara is coming on to conclude what this does mean for Rabbi Shmerel at a Torah perspective, and then what the rabbis added at Tikkun Olam level. So last line of Memchad Mudbet, El Amar Yaakov, says Rav Bar Yaakov, what are we talking about? Now, the general question here of are we rating A, B, and C subjectively or based on some universal standards rating? Okay, we'll worry about that later. Let's not let that confuse us right now. But let's just assume, say, that the best property of the Nizak is equal to the worst property of the Mazik. So basically, if I'm the damage okay, my best quality property is grade C. You're the Mazik. You've got grade A, grade B, grade C. My property, at most, it gets up to grade C. Like some of these even may be worse. D, E, F, who knows what. Okay? So if we said that you have to pay with, that I can collect from your, from, from, from the best, but the best is measured based on my property, I would only be entitled to collect your, from your grade C property, because that's the best of mine. Now, the amount I collect is equal, is equal to the amount of damage. So let's say the damage is equal to one acre of grade C. And let's just assume for simplicity's sake that every next level is twice as good as the previous one. Okay? So one, you damaged one acre of my grade C property. If we define that the property I collect from you is based on my best property, which is grade C, I collect one acre of your grade C property. But if I'm collecting from your best property, grade A, well, then I get a quarter acre of your grade A. 
okay, which is equal to the same amount as a full acre of my grade C. Which do I collect? So that's what the Gemara says. Going to say, Idis de Nizak, the best property of the Nizak, Kiziboris de Mazik, was like the worst of the Mazik. Okay, could have said the middle of the Mazik, doesn't matter. When it says, you have to pay the best of the field, it means I collect from the highest quality of my field. I collect from your grade C property because my best, my best property is grade C. Rabbi, is good for me. What? And then take no exactly. Rabbi No, 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 no. You get to collect the best property of the damager. So I get to collect your grade A property. It'll only be a quarter of an acre, but I get to collect your grade A property. Tikkun. Now that's the obvious tikkun olam because you because you cannot make the mazik pay pay more. Meaning, give higher quality than he's got. Right? I can't. I mean, we're not going to force you to go out and buy property so I can collect from it. Just give me the cash. Okay, so the, be- the the thing that punishes you the most and entitle you know you the damager the most and entitles me the nizak the most the thing that is that you have to pay from the best of your property that's the most we can make you do right that's the, so therefore rather than determining the the quality of the of the property that I can collect from the grade of the property based on what's best for me we're going to punish you more we're going to give me more and punish you more and let me collect from the best that you've got. Okay, so that's the Tikkun Olam. And that was from my from the best of the damager from the damagees, and the Tikkun Olam is I get to collect from the best of the damager. Right, according to Rabbi Kiva, Tikkun Oh, there's no Tikkun Olam for Rabbi Kiva. Okay, it's only for Rabbi Shmuel. Okay, I'm sorry. Then, then uh, the mission is according to Rabbi Shmuel. That's what the Gemara said. Okay, so okay, now my time is so that's the best we can do for Tikkun Olam is the best of the damager, right? That's the most we can make that guy or the best quality we can make that guy pay is the best quality that he's got. Let's say yours was your best was like a grade D. Am I, you know, let's say there's like a complete mismatch. Right. So in that case, if your bet, well, okay, then it gets to the whole question about do we do it based on universal standards or based on whatever. But bottom line is, there's no way, even if my best was, my, I'm the damage G, my best is grade A and your best is grade C, but there's no way we can make you pay grade A. You don't have grade A. Okay? So therefore, the best we can do for me is say, you've got, I got, I can collect from your best property. And that's what Rebbe Shmuel says is the Tikkun Olam. Rebbe Akiva says two acres. Right, and that's I get two acres. Rebbe Akiva says, or four, Rebbe Akiva says that's already the halach according to the Torah. Okay, so my time is Rebbe Shmuel. Namra, the verse says, Sadeh Lamata. It says, Kiaver Ish Sadeh Ocherem. When your animal consumes the field, which means your animal consumed in my field, and the Namra Sadeh Lamala. I mean, it actually says, pay the best of the field, but it says it consumed the field. So the field that was consuming was my field, was the field of the damagee. So when it says pay the best of the field, it means the best of the fields of the damagee. Okay, so it said field twice. The first time it was talking about the damagee, so the second time it's talking about the damagee. Okay? The same way the field that's being damaged is the one of the damagee. When it says you pay the best field, it means of the damagee. Okay, that's how he says it means, that's why the verse means of the damagee. Rabbi Kiva Savar, Metav Sadeo Yishalem. No, it says, he shall pay the best of his field. So since the he paying is the damager, the his field is the damager. Okay, that's just consistent in terms of the pronoun here, of the subject. 
the field of the one who's doing the paying. Okay, Rabbi Ishmael, what would Rabbi Ishmael say? A honey The Gzereshava does its job, and the simple sense of the Pasuk does its job. A honey The Gzereshava does its job, just like we said, that you determine it by the best field of the damagee. So now, what do you do with the simple sense of the verse that sounds like it's the damager's field, the best damager's field? So, the honey the Isle Lamazik, Idis Viziboris. Viziboris today, Loshavia ki Idis Denisak. Let's say you don't have a whole range of choices, okay? Let's say your animal damaged my grade B field, and you've got grade A and grade C. Now, I am entitled to collect, according to Rabbi Shmuel, grade B, right? You damage my, or my best, I don't care what you damage, my best is grade B. So I'm the damagee, I'm entitled to collect grade B. Okay, that's my best field. But you have A and C. Which one do I do? Do I have to go down to C or can I go up to A? Okay. So that's why the Pasuk says, Meitav Sadeu, there are times we will go up to your best field because we're not going to force me to give up what I'm entitled to. So if I can't get what I'm entitled to, I get an upgrade and I get to get your grade A. Okay? So Rabbi Shmuel says... There's no Tikkun Olam for that case. There's no Tikkun Olam. Yeah. So Rabbi Shmuel says, the Pasuk says you basically start with the best field of the Nizak, of the Damagee, but if that's not available, then you're in, in the Mazik's possession you're entitled to go up to the next grade of the Mazik and that's the Metav Sadehu of the Mazik okay so let's just read that again that you start with the best field of the damagee if he has A and C the damager and the grade C of the damager is not equal to the best of the Nizak of the damagee to what the Nizak's entitled to so if the Gniza can't get what he's entitled to, he, because the, the Mazik doesn't have it, so then the Mashalim Leminetav, he's able to get an upgrade and go to the next higher quality that the Mazik has. Alright? So that's how Red Ishmael says it. But there are times, even in that case, maybe since you don't have a grade B, I'm going to go to a grade A minus with you. And then the Akiva would still say, I'm going to let you go to the grade A, or the grade A plus, or the triple A, or whatever it is, right? So anyway, according to Red Ishmael, you're basically still limited to the best of your fields, of the damage field, but you're allowed to go up a level if you have to, to get the, the most, you know, the, the, the next, the, the quality that, that is equal to or greater than, you know, um, well, as close to the, 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 the best of your field. Whereas Rabbi Akiva lets you just collect from the absolute best that the Mazik has, which is obviously a much better way of getting people to control their animals and be careful if they're going to have to give up their absolute uh, best property. Unless I'm misunderstanding this, I felt like, but at the end of the day, whether you say it's on the Torah level or rabbinic level, both, they both agree, right? Once you have the Rabbanati Kunalam, then everybody agrees. Yeah, I'm talking at the Jeraisa level. The right. At the end of the day, now where you have the Tikunalam of the Mishnah, everybody agree, agrees that you get to go to the absolute prime real estate that the Mazik has. Okay? So I went ahead and I, you know, my animal grazed in your swampland and you're going to collect from me some like, you know, prime Manhattan real estate. Okay? Now it's not going to be worth more than the actual damage. Okay? But nevertheless, I don't want to give anybody my prime real estate. Right? Okay? You know, like I was saying to somebody else, I think David, I think to you the other day, well, what difference does it make? It's all worth the same. It makes a big difference. As we know, you could have a house in a bad neighborhood that has a mar- an official market price, but good luck trying to offload it, right? So it makes a huge difference what quality of land you're talking about. All right, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, 
Okay, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Now we're going to finish up the sort of quote about this before we get back to the Tikkun Olam. So Rabbi Akiva says that the Torah here is giving the, you the right to collect from the best of the Mazik, okay, the grade A of the Mazik, um, and certainly Hektish. So what does that mean, certainly Hektish? So the Gemara says... My kavachomer lehektish. What does it mean, hektish? So the simple sense is when hektish gets to collect, if you damage hektish's property, hektish gets to collect from you, from your best property, right? Makes sense. Hektish should have more, you know, better rights, more privileges. So let's, because now we're going to unpack it. Let's say one of our oxen um, gored an ox belonging to hektish. So we have to now pay from the best of our property to pay back hektish. So shurei eu amarachman of losher show hektish. It says, Ki gach ish, shor ish ehu. If the shore of a man gourds the shore, the shore of his, of, of his, of his, of his fellow, then meta, you know, then he has to pay. Okay? So the point is that this isn't the, the ox of his fellow, it's the ox of Hekdish. It's not owned by a normal person. So therefore you should be exempt, right? There's obviously like one of the best, even Ezra's on the Torah, is he quotes somebody, who is it? Ben Zuta? Or some, some Karite, who says that shore ehu means gourds his fellow ox. So, <laughs> not the ox of your fellow, but of his fellow ox, like his friend ox. <laughs> so, ben, so Ibn Ezra says, The only friend an ox has is this Benzuta guy. Okay, anyway. So, okay, but anyway. So, So, you don't have to pay anything. You're, not, you're only obligated if it's a person's ox. Okay, well, let's take a look. No, you, well, let's take a look. Omer. Um, okay, that you basically, in, you know, uh, make a donation to the base of Mikdash for $100. Okay, man is more, like, I don't know, $10,000. Anyway, so when the base of Mikdash comes to collect the debts owed to it, it can collect from your grade A real estate. So, so Mar says, one minute, what's the Kavachomer? That doesn't make Hektish. Kavachomer is Hektish should be at least as entitled, but not the Hektish should be better, where would we have a basis to say that when the Hectish acts as a creditor, when Hectish comes to collect the standard debt, that they're entitled to grade A? A normal creditor for a loan for a debt is entitled to grade B. Why should Hectish get more? Right? A, we have no basis for saying it. And no, a Kavachomer doesn't say that the other thing is more. A Kavachomer says the other thing is equal. If this, okay, but not more. Kavachomer says if it's true by this, it's certainly true by that. Okay? So we have no basis to say Kavachomer means it's an equal treatment, and we have no basis to say that Hector should be more entitled when it's coming to just Dom collect debts than any normal person. Okay? So how do, so that can't be what it means. Anyway, we weren't even talking about debts. We were talking about damages. Maybe Rebbe Akiva happens to be of the opinion that a normal creditor collects from grade A. And he's saying, hey, if a creditor collects from a grade A, like he does by damages, um, then the same would also be true by Hector. But one minute. You can challenge this. You can't even make a kavachomer. You can't even argue that Hector should be as good. You can't even argue that it should be equal. Because Hector is weaker 
than a normal person. How do I know Hectic is weaker than a normal person? Because I just told you. Hectic doesn't collect, get to collect for damages done to it. So what type of a Kalachomer exists? Hectic is in a weaker position when it comes to collecting debts than normal people. They can't collect for damages done to its property. So how can you even make a Kalachomer? So we can't be talking about Nezek because it doesn't, Hectic doesn't collect. We can't be talking about other things because number one, other things are probably just grade B. Even if other things are grade A, we have lost our ability to make a Kalachomer. So what are we talking about? The house never loses. What? All right. We have to prove it though. Um, Let's go back to a, 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 a Neza case, which is the shot of what we're talking about. Damages. Okay, our ox squared Hectish's ox. So how is Hectish collecting? He owes like Rabshim Ben Benassia. The time we turn the bright, Rabshim Ben Benassia, Omer. Shoshel Hectish, Shanaka, Shoshel Hedyot, Patur. If Hectish's ox gores a, a layperson's ox, you don't pay anything. But if a, an ox owned by a normal person, Gores ox owned by Hectish, you pay the full amount. You don't even pay half, which is what you normally pay the first three times. So, as Michael says, the house always wins, which basically is here's how we read the verse, okay? We read the verse the following. If a short E scores a short Ray Ahu, when a normal person's ox scores a normal person's ox, then you pay half the first three times. If, however, a normal person's ox scores Hectish's ox, then you've got to pay full, okay? That's not no. the idea. The idea of only paying half is only a normal person's ox. If you got Hectish's ox, then you got to pay full. However, if Hectish's ox, it's only if a normal person's ox scores somebody else's. If Hectish's ox scores somebody else's, they pay nothing. Okay. So the verse is talking about the mazik and the nigzak are normal people. But if Hectish takes either of those roles over, then all of the benefit gets to Hectish. If Hectish is the mazik, they pay nothing. And if Hectish is the nigzak, you pay them full. Okay. So that's how Rabbi reads the verse. And that's a Rebbe Akiva. But then you understand the Kavachomer. If Hectish is so much, like, you know, given so much, uh, you know, uh, privilege in th- that case about how, whether they pay at all and how much they collect, certainly when they're collecting, they collect from Edis from grade A, just like a normal person collects from grade A. I'm not this cow. Yes. Yes. Meila. You bring a korva. Meila, you have to. Bring a korva. Yeah. Not to pay well, if you're a mazik the cow, so um, I mean, yeah, I mean that gets to the question of what happens when you steal from hectish and your mazik hectish. So yeah, I mean, you basically have to pay. There's an interesting question that Tosa deals with about whether adam hamazik is puzzled by hectish. This is talking about the shore hamazik is a special puzzle to exempt adam hamazik or not. So yeah, I mean, but uh, certainly you know you. But the basic answer is that you pay back. Yes. So just to understand that is that just Rosh Hashanah actually hectish. Yeah, no, the other opinion is that Hectish just loses in both directions. Hectish doesn't pay, but doesn't get paid. No, it doesn't lose in both directions. It's completely, you know, the other approach is that Hectish is exempt from paying and exempt from being paid. Completely, okay. No, but Rebbe Shimon Manassias, it wins in both directions. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, under those, yes. Okay, under the right circumstances, yes. Okay, so it says like this. Um... Okay. Uh, okay. So then you, so then he pays Edis. So now you understand. Hectish is so privileged in these issues, of course, that when it collects, it's going to collect some Edis. But it says one minute. If that's true, the Rabbi Akiva is making a point that Hectish pays, Hectish collects top quality. The Gemara says, how do you know that the debate of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael is about whether you pay the best of the, the, 
best of the Nizak or the best of the Mazik. Maybe they're not debating a normal case at all. Maybe Rebbe Kiva's the whole debate is about whether you, what, what the hectic story is. Okay? Meaning, since Rebbe Akiva in the end talks about hectic, maybe that's all they're talking about is the hectic issue. How do you know they're debating this case where the Nizak has grade C and the Mazik has grade A? Maybe everybody agrees to Rebbe Yishmael that you, may, that you determine it based on the Nizak's property. Maybe they're not debating a normal case at all. They're just debating a question about whether Heptish gets to collect. Do you, do you read it like Reb Shem So Reb Yishmael started like Reb Shem So Heptish collects, and they're going to collect the best. Reb Yishmael started like Reb Shem Reb Yishmael holds like the rabbis that Heptish never collects by damage cases. So the says, no, that doesn't make sense. In case my low of Ella, when Reb Yishmael says the Pasuk is only coming to do X, he's saying that before he introduced Hectish. So it sounds like he's saying, forget Hectish for a moment. I disagree with your read of the Pasuk about paying the best of the field. It's clear that they're having some substantive debate about what the best field means. The ode, my Kavachomer Hectish. And you wouldn't in any way have a Kavachomer Hectish because, because then, because, you know, then again, I mean, there's a little bit of data of Rashi and tells us how to read this, but it basically means that if Rabbi Akiva is agreeing to Rabbi Yishmael that you go by the Nizak's property, that's actually not a full privilege to go by the Nizak's property. Kavachomer Hectish sounds like Rabbi Akiva started by saying, I'm going to give the guy more than you, Rabbi Shmuel, are giving him, and then I'm also going to give it to Hectish. David Ode, Hamar Ravashi, Ravashi says, Tanya the Hedda, we run an explicit brighter that says that this is the debate of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael. Mate of Sadeh, or Mate of Karma Yishalein, Mate of Sadeh, or Shalmizak, it's very explicit. Rabbi Shmuel says the best of the fields of the damagee. Rabbi Akiva Omer and Rabbi Akiva says No, the best of the fields of the damager. Okay, so there's another interesting question about does Hektish collect in cases of damages and if so, it should be at least as entitled as a you know, normal person's ability to collect from the best of the fields. But there is this fundamental debate of Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Shmuel, how at a Torah level you assess the best of the field. Okay, so what have we said now? The Mishnah that says that we have a Tikkun alum that you collect the best of the Mazik's fields, again, oh, not more than the value of the damage, but equal to the value of the damage you collect from the best of the Mazik's fields. This is according to Rabbi Shmuel that says at a Torah level you only collect by the best of your fields, the damagee's field, and from a Rabbanan level they let you collect from the best of the damagers, the Mazik's. I'm going to get our mission to go to Rabbi Akiva. Oh, isn't it already a Torah law that you go from the best of the Mazik? So he says, um, that you does say that it's already in the Torah. But, what does it mean? It's a tikkun alam. Rabbi Shimon, he. What it means is, is it's going like Rabbi Shimon. The Darish time of the Quran. Rabbi Shimon says, we are entitled to try to understand what is the underlying principle of a pasuk. Okay? I'll get back to that, what that means in a minute, but let's just finish this thought. What it's saying is, what is the reason? Yes, it's, we, we don't mean a Durabanan law here. Here we mean a Torah law. But what we're doing is we're explicating the thinking behind the Torah law. 
Okay? Ma'atam dinizak shaminan lehu be'idis. Why is it that the Torah said the halacha is that when a case of damages, you get to collect the best of the mazik's field? Um, because the Torah is concerned about, is trying to do this as a form of social control, of, right? Of, of, of the best of what's for society. Because if you think about it, it was purely based on compensation. You damage the grade B field of mine, you give me back a grade B field. So, well, okay, but I mean, at least it's an equivalent, right? You're, you're totally being made whole. Your grade B field was damaged. You get something totally equivalent. You're made whole. End of story. Why is the Torah putting a heavier burden on the mazik? It must be that the Torah's got not just the immediate sense of justice in mind, not just the din in mind, but a tikkun olam, a larger societal agenda that by making people pay the best, that hopefully will get these things to happen less often. So what we're doing is we're explicating the thinking. Right? A simple sense of of Tashlumim doesn't explain it. There's a Tikkun Olam thing going on here in the Torah and that's what we're doing. But that fits with Rabbi Shimon who feels that we're entitled to try to identify and explicate what is the you know, reason behind the Pasuk. Okay, now let's just read a little bit more. One minute. Um, Titania, we turn to Brisa. I'm Rabbi Shimon. And it's the same Rabbi Shimon who normally is Darshin at time of the Quran. He says it here too. Why did the funny phrase they say of course, it's they, it's the Torah says, but maybe through the word, mouth of the rabbis. Why does the Torah say that cases of damage, damage it pays from the best of the fields? Because of the thieves and the Hamasim uh, are people that like, well, yeah, people that like force you to sell property. Today, Shomar Adam, the person should say to himself, Why am I going to steal? Why am I going to sort of like, you know, what's the point of uh, engaging in these types of activities? I'm going to actually lose out if I just had to pay equivalent to what I did then there's very little to be lost let me go ahead and do it worst case scenario I'll give it back which is a very hard thing to understand in the Torah right a Ghana pays double but a Goslin only pays equivalent so where's the disincentive to be a Goslin you'll just give it back right so here at least there's a disincentive that if you don't have the cash you're going to give back the best of your field okay now the interesting thing is and then Basin will rely on what's in, now what is, what's in said in the Torah now by the way this phrase they will rely on what does it mean they'll rely on what's in the Torah it is what's in the Torah so this might also explain his phrase about why did they say because the Torah only says in the case where an animal goes and grazes in another animal's field right it doesn't say in the case of stealing. It doesn't say it in the case of, you know, other forms of seizing property. It only says it in one case. Chazal, from a big Zereshava, which you would learn, it, we're learning when we get to Babi Kama, applies that to all cases of damages. So that is a rabbinic interpretation. So now you understand the Mitnema Amru in the plural. Why did they say? And they'll rely on, they're using this Pasuk to apply it across the board. Okay? To all cases. Well, it is Minatora. It's their Drash Minatora. Like most of the, you know, most of Torah Shabbat Peh all the Raisa I once had a student that said okay it's the Raisa but it's not biblical <laughs> which basically is right it's the Raisa means the way the rabbis interpret what Torah law is okay anyway Lefikach Amru okay Lefikach Amru and Ezekiel Shaman Lam Be'idis that's why again they said that Ezekiel goes Be'idis okay now before we get on now we're going to go and explicate the rest of the Mishnah but basically what we said is 
is, yes, it's Deoraita, but it's explaining the reasoning behind the Torah, okay? And the Torah is doing it not just as an issue of justice and compensation, but as a way of disincentive and a larger societal goal, but not only, by the way, it, it is a little bit of a kavachomer. If the Torah makes me pay the best of my fields when I'm just negligent, and I let my animals go out and graze, and that's the tikkun olam that the Torah is imposing there, then how much more so should that apply when I'm willfully damaging or stealing from your property? So as as I, now, the question about Rebbe Shimon Darsh time of the Krah, what's special about Rebbe Shimon? I mean, you know, I mean, the idea of Tame Hamitzos is a big endeavor. We do it all the time, right? So, 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 so the Chiddush of Rebbe Shimon is that he's willing to speculate on what is the reason behind the mitzvah and then use it to determine the parameters of what the mitzvah is. Not just, to, not just to stam talk about what the reasons are. So look at Tosos. Rabbi Shimon he Darish time at the Kra. Lo please, says Tosos, Elehecha di Ika Nafkusa. Only if there's some application to this, you're going to say the reason and then you're going to apply it to determine the parameters of the din. Okay, so basically the Torah says, what if, what if the widow is rich? So Rabbi Shemel says, oh, it doesn't apply in a case where the widow is rich. Okay, because Rabbi Shimon, because he, he's Darshina in time of Decry. Now you and I would think the time of Decry that he's, he's, he's sort of suggesting or assuming is that it's a way of like taking advantage of the poor, oppressing the poor, so it doesn't apply if the, if the, if the widow happens to be rich. He actually gives, this just shows you how widely variant time of Decry could be when you try to speculate what the reason is. So he says, no, you know what the time of the Quran is? If it's a poor person's garment, the Torah says you have to return it every day. So if you're, this is a widow, no man is at home, you're returning her garment every single day, you're visiting her house every single day, it's going to raise suspicions about, you know, sexual impropriety. But if she's a rich widow, you don't have an obligation to return it. So anyway, completely bizarre. Nothing we would have assumed would have been the reason behind it. But anyway, he's willing to use it to explain the parameters of the din. Now how does that apply here? Here, how is it? How is it determining the parameters? It's just what the Torah says. Meitav Sadei. Why are we limiting this to Rebbe Shimon? Why, you know, where, where, where here is he using the reason to determine the parameters? So let's look at the next line of Tosos. Now, what does Tosos mean? Meaning that's right. Where is this Rebbe Shimon? Right. Where, where is he getting that from? I mean, what's what's Rebbe Shimon's time of Dikra doing to tell me anything that I don't already know from the pasuk? I'm going to answer my question. So I would suggest two things. Number one is Tosa saying maybe that's what pushing Rebbe, Rebbe, Shmel, Rebbe Shimon to read the Pusuk like Rebbe Akiva and not like Rebbe Shmel. If you see it as a Tikkun Olam, you're going to read it like that we're going to be, like, going to be more strict on the penalty and we're going to do it the best of the Mazik, not the best of the Nizak. But the, I think that's what Tosa is getting at. But the other thing I would say is the point that I was making before. That the Torah only applies it to the case of grazing in somebody else's field. It doesn't apply to all cases of damages. What motivates the rabbis to read the Pasuk by this narrow case of an animal grazing in a field and interpret it by all cases of damages, you pay the best. So the reason is, well, if you understand the reason behind this is tikkun olam, then you'll say what I just said. Well, if the Torah is doing the tikkun olam by mere negligence, how much more so should we assume that this principle applies in cases where it's like willful damage, right? And so that seems to be the point that this is Rebbe. So yes, it's in the Torah, 
But we're, by saying it's tikkun olam, we're identifying what we assume is the reason behind it in the Torah. And that's also what's in, sort of entitling us to read the Pasuk and to apply it across the board to all cases of damages. Like Rabbi, like Rabbi Shimon says, why did they say? They relied on that Pasuk in order to read it to apply to all cases of damages. So if you had a question. I mean, it's clear that this, that this uh, whole argument is developmental with layers, right? Now, it's not the shot of a Mishnah. Like, the first two cases in ratio of the Mishnah is Nezek and, 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 and loans. Right. It doesn't say those are because Tikkun Olam. Then, then Ketubat Isha is thrown into that, that set because of Tikkun Olam, and then a Messiah. Because otherwise, it could just be a Machloket on how to Darsh and the Pasha. It could be that the first part of the Mishnah is just laying the background to get to the Tikkun Olam in the end, but the first thing that the Tikkun Olam has said is not about any of the grade A, grade B, grade C's. The first thing it's said on is about um, about collecting um, Achilas Peros from, uh, from you don't collect it from the Chasim Mishubadim. So, if Tikkun Olam is only going on the thing that it's directly the, the, the juxtaposed to it, then it's not relevant to the first half of the mission at all. Right. There's no need to even teach the first half. Now, you can say it's a It's all a lead into the last yeah. point, but that's not how the Gemara reads it. The Gemara reads Tikkun Olam is referring... Chooses. Right, reading to the, applying to the whole mission. Right. That is correct. What okay. Case? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> so, anyway, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, so, now that we're dealing with Rabbi Shimon explaining the Mipnei Ma'abarus, so we did with the first one, which now really your understanding is why Chazal read the Pasuk that way or applied the Pasuk's case of Shane and Regal and applied it to all cases of Nezek because they understood that it was a Tikkun Olam type of a thing that the Torah was saying and now we're going to continue to un- explain the Mishnah based on what is the Tikkun Olam at each stage of the Mishnah so let's keep on going okay now why did the rabbis this is still Rabbi Shimon talking say that a creditor collects middle grade today Shalom a person shouldn't say that guy's got a nice field he's got a beautiful house you know what let me lend him money he'll probably default and give me a great opportunity to uh, take over his house to take his house okay predatory lending so there you go so they said that no you collect middle grade so that you don't use it as an opportunity to seize the guy's best property so as much as so let's say that he only gets grade C so he shouldn't use it as an opportunity to get the grade B property no no everything comes at a cost right every type of thing you do there's another side to the equation right so therefore um, so therefore if you do that nobody wants to lend money in general you really do need to incentivize people to lend money in the Torah they don't collect interest the loans get get annulled after seven years you know when, this, uh, when Shemitah rolls around so it's really like it's a loser's deal to lend money they might, even if none of that happens you might not be able to recollect the debt. The guy might default. Right? It's, that's why the Torah frames, by the way, it's interesting to know, that our basic idea of tzedakah, a straight gift of money, is basically not in the Torah. I challenge you to find me a case in the Torah where the Torah says that if somebody asks for money, you give them money as a gift. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what that pasuk is? 
Patoach tiftaches yad chalov ha'veit avitenu ha'veit avitenu an avot is give him a loan. Okay, because ha'veit is an avot is a collateral, and that pasuk talks about how the shemitah will come and annul the loan. All the psukim that are quoted about giving money are psukim about giving loans. The only thing, the only, the only thing that the Torah talks actually it's the only time the Torah has a case of giving of giving something as a straight gift is trumonu. Road or Lekat Shikhan okay? Okay, but in terms of like putting your hand in your pocket, somebody asks for money, it's all about a loan. Loan in the Torah is a form of tzedakah because a loan, you don't charge interest, it gets annulled after seven years, it gets forgiven, okay? So, it's really like you got to incentivize people to give loans. So this is not much of an incentive, but we can't go. But, but we're not going to make. We're not going to like disincentivize people even more. So we have to at least let the creditor collect grade B. We can't collect grade A because then it'll lead to taking advantage. But we cannot say grade C because that'll make nobody's going to want to lend money. Then we just had a whole parak that discussed, or a whole major section that discussed, you know, prusbo. What we have to do to get people to keep on lending money within this type of a context. Yes. Yes, Charlie. I was going to say, and then later on, when we stopped being agricultural, the rabbis developed the uh, heteriska. Yeah, right, exactly. But that's correct. So that also helps helps people have a reason to lend money. Okay. Um, now, Ksuvas Isha Bizibaris, Diva Rabbi Yehuda. Now let's talk about the Ksuvas Isha. What's the going on there? The woman is collecting the worst of the property. That's Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Omer Rabbein on this middle property. Amar Shimon. Name Amar Ksuvas Isha Bizibaris. Comes along with Shimon again. The same way he's Darshin in time of Dikra, he's Darshin in time of Derabanan. Okay, he's come to explain to us what the reasons are. So why did they say a woman would collect? If a woman collects grade B, that's like any other creditor, right? They collect middle grade. But what's the logic of collecting grade C? Women are more eager to get married than men. You've got to incentivize the men to get married. So a way to say this a little softer is is that women are already given all this financial protection through chazal, through the ksuva. Right? The ksuva gives her financial protection if she gets divorced or widowed. It actually gives her ongoing financial protection in the marriage. Okay, it's not our idea of a sort of, of an equal type of uh, rights and responsibilities. That wasn't the reality in those times, but it was definitely a tremendous innovation to protect her in all these different ways, alright, but uh, you can't make it so much that she's getting to protect her that it's going to disincentivize men or make men, you know, wait a few years more before getting married. We have a big enough problem right now, right, about people getting married at, too late, at, you know, at a later age and so on. So, therefore, what we have to do is we have to make it more feasible for a person willing to assume this type of a debt. Fine, I'll assume the debt, but it's not going to be for my best property, or my, even my grade B, it'll be for my grade C. So that we have to do it to make it easier for men to get married. Okay, Dover Achir. Now here's another explanation, which does, which is going to be bizarre. A woman, um, a woman would get, can get divorced whether she wants it or not wants it. She's divorced against, can be divorced against her will. But a man only divorces his his wife willingly. Now, whatever that's that's very unclear what that has to do with anything. But what certainly it says is that the woman is disadvantaged in issues of divorce. If anything, that means we should be protecting her more, mm-hmm. not less. So how is that relevant? So the Gemara says, my Davarachir, how is this relevant? Yeah. One minute. 
as long as we're talking about tikkun olam, so why don't we say, and we did, did this actually, and we actually said it's Ziboris because we were concerned about his interests. So you're telling me tikkun olam, and we're telling you we're concerned about the husband's interests. Well, wait a minute. I'm here from the, you know, from the uh, men's rights movement, and I'm saying, if you're concerned about the man's interests, then when, the same way she gets a ksuva, when he's divorcing her, he should get a ksuva when she's divorcing him. Except, what? <laughs> okay? So, so when he's the one being divorced, he should collect the which is the most absurd havamina. Where have you been through all of Masechus Kitten? Okay? So the Gemara says, Tashma, a man cannot be divorced against his will. He only divorces if he's the one willing to. He's the one initiating divorce. He's the one that has to provide the wife a ksuva, not the other way around. And if he doesn't, you know, he can withhold a get. Very funny, not funny, whatever. Said That's already recognizing there. Okay, it's totally his choice if he wants to give her a get or not give her a get. She doesn't get to be the one to decide about whether they're getting divorced or not. So it's a crazy havamina, right? Like, what even havamina? is that most you could say what it means was let's say she's the cause of the divorce let's say she's doing things to make his life miserable to force you know to try to force a divorce at least in that case why shouldn't she be now I don't know how you would prove that but in the end the Gemara says none of that really matters he's still the one that gets to decide so he's still the one that pays the ksuva not the other way around the other point though is is that it really is like a little bit irrespective of who's the one initiating the divorce right like in you know if you think about uh you know, but before when we were basically one income families and the husband was the prime wage earner, earner, whether he initiated the divorce proceedings or the wife initiated the divorce proceedings, she was entitled to alimony because she had basically been keeping up the home and had, right, and had the, you know, and he had the one earning the wages. So she was entitled to protection and to, you know, from the, you know, to financial protection. So really, the, that's also funny. It's not like because you did it, you have to pay her. There's a difference here in terms of who who's bringing in the money, who's left vulnerable, and who needs to be protected. So it's a very strange tomorrow. Yeah, what I like about the Hamamim, actually, to work it through this way, is they, the bottom line is they're unwilling to have the woman incur debt, no matter how you could structure the, the argument. Right. right. So the bottom line is she's going to be protected by right. not being the one to incur any debt as a result of Correct. This. I'm just saying that the Havamina was, first of all, it's a bizarre Havamina. All of a sudden we think that the woman could divorce the man. Okay, so maybe you read that he could like he would like like you know he would make his life miserable and try to force him to divorce but even so the fact that the payment of a ksuva is based on who's giving the divorce and not based on the financial realities right is strange you know yes right so how do you in terms of the ksuva so the ksuva basically entitles the man to the woman's earnings um, in exchange for him providing um, um um, providing support, like, you know, room and board. But, the, since it was done to protect the woman's interests, she's in a position to say, I waive the room and support, and I'm keeping my earnings. Because it's all done to protect her interests, not his. 
So in modern times, it's basically, I mean, we, you know, we don't actually here in the States, Israel's maybe a different question, we don't go, we really like divide our family's finances based on the Ksuva. But were we to do that, and it would be disadvantageous to the woman to follow the rules of the Ksuva, she could waive it. It's done to protect her. As far as we go, in other words, we don't say because she's the wage earner that he should be. Oh, right. Meaning, yes. Meaning, going back to my point, that basically it was who was bringing in the money. Right. Look, you could imagine a case that a woman came from a wealthy family, the man was a pauper, and we, we so even there, in this particular circumstance where the finances were reversed, we weren't going to switch around the ksuva. That's true. So maybe, you know, maybe that's partly what the Gemara is saying, that it's also based on the question of who's divorcing whom, right? I'm sorry. So what are we trying to say about the Gemara here? I don't know. It's a complete digression. Tosos tries to make it relevant to the question of Ziboris, but it seems like a complete digression. Like, if you're telling me Ziboris is to, because we care about the man's interest, and we're trying to protect his interest in the marriage, why don't we protect it more? Why don't we give him a ksuva? And the answer is that's absurd. Yeah. Is there any discussion about how this changes the Ruben Gershom? No. Um, not here. I mean, and no, but I mean, basically, ksuva is still... Right, because it's, in the end, that's not what ksuva is about. And anyway, okay. Ksuva is Isha Ziboris. Now, let's get to look at this debate, okay? So that, we've just completely leapfrog over the Balcho. We've addressed what we wanted to say about that. Balancing, you know, not predatory lending as opposed to not making, uh, get, not disincentivizing a loan. And now we focus on the ksufa. This is only when she's collecting from the orphans that, because in order to protect the interests of the orphans, we say it has to be ziboris. Okay? But if she's collecting from the husband, it's a case of divorce, not of death. So so she's like a creditor. Right? Why should she be less advantage, you know, have a, have a less advantage than a normal creditor? Um, so the says, one minute. If they're only debating the case of orphans, so my Yerushalayim Isha, then why is it then why why is it only a ksuva that is uh, that why is a ksuva being singled out as that it's from the grade C all things from orphans are grade C says so the fact that we say ksuva is mina ziboris seems to be independent of the orphan factor so the Gemara says it must be that when we're talking about the ksuva debate whether it's grade C or grade B we're talking about from him the Gemara says no we are talking about when we say the ksuva is from grade C, the point is even the ksuva is grade C when you're collecting from orphans. So mishumchina is like the opposite argument about trying to incentivize the man. Is there like the mishumchina is is like we have to? Well, there's a debate of Rashi tells us how to read it. Rashi reads it is we also have to incentivize the woman. If we disadvantage the woman too much by ksuva, she's not going to want to get married. Okay, tells us says one minute. You can't one minute say we have to do things to incentivize the man and the other minute you say we have to do things to incentivize the woman. I don't know why. Sometimes there are both realities are true. But Tosa says Mushim Khin is the opposite. It's a little ironic but so what Tosa says is the following. This is part of incentivizing the men. If they see that women are, cre- are given too much, are, are too much disadvantaged in court, even when it means collecting from, from men, from their, from husbands, but if women are too disadvantaged in the system, then they'll lose social status in the eyes of men. And they'll say, why should they, you know, whatever. Women are like, they'll, they'll, they'll treat women too much like, uh, you know, without respect. And they, wa- and they won't want to get as married as much because they're mistreated by the system. It's actually 
very interesting way Tosus reads it. So if women are always collecting from the worst property, that actually creates a disincentive for men to get married because it's, they're not just thinking financially, they're thinking about the status that women have in society. So sometimes we have to actually do things to give women greater status and greater rights even against men's property, right, in order to, that, that their social status not, you know, be, you know, be of a certain position um, and that ultimately is, is part of incentivizing men. It's very interesting. High but not too high. Exactly. High enough that I want to marry a woman, okay, that it's like, it's hush it's to me to marry, such to marry a woman, but not so high that I'm seriously disadvantaged by it. Exactly. Okay, so anyway, so I might think that we do this for, you know, we give her this special privilege, and that even when she's collecting from orphans, she's entitled to collect grade B, Mishumchina, Kamashmo, and that we don't. So this is saying that actually a normal case of Ksuva is grade B. When we say Ksuva is grade C, it's only from orphans. And even though everybody is grade C from orphans, even a Ksuva, even though we might have done something to raise a woman's status. Okay? I'm a Rav So let's see if we can sustain this interpretation. Rav Meo, No, but we see it's debated whether Ksuva is grade B or grade C. Rabbi Meir says it's grade B. Miman, now who are we talking about that she's collecting from? Elaine if she's collecting from orphans, so lastly, the Reb Meir had it not any How could Rabbi Meir say if we're talking about orphans? How could he say that you collect grade B? Orphans is grade C. Obviously, we're talking about collecting from the husband. So says So you see, when the rabbis say grade C, we're talking about the husband. Since Reb Meir's grade B is obviously the husband's, then the debate of grade B or grade C is about collecting from the husband. So the Gemara says no. We're collecting from the orphans. So how is Rabbi Neir saying grade B? For the reason we said. Because maybe the woman has special privileges collecting the suva. The exact opposite. So now what we're arguing is, you until now are saying that a, a suva is a disadvantage for the woman, and she goes down to grade C when she's collecting them. I refuse that. When she's collecting from the husband, grade B. The question is, does she get a more of an advantage when she's collecting from orphans? Okay? And Rabbi Neir says, I'm going to give a, a suva more of an advantage than a normal creditor, and the Rabbanans say not. All right, Tashma, again, certainly not Pshat, but let's see if where we'll go with this. Amar Abayi, Tashma, Hanazikin, Shamin Lehem Be'idis, Ubachol Dedeinonis, Vigzuis Isha Bezibaris, Our Mishnah. It lays out these three things, right? Damages, grade A. Debts, grade B. Ksuva, great C. Miman. Now, presumably, we're all talking about collecting from the same type of person. Elam and Biasni, we're talking about collecting these things from, from orphans. So, my Yuri, Ksuvis Isha, Asilu Kohaninami. So, then why do we say that Ksuvis Isha is grade C? Everybody, the creditor is grade C, the damagee is grade C. If we're talking about orphans, everybody is grade C. So, clearly, when the Mishnah talks about the creditor being grade B and the damagee being grade A, we're talking about collecting from the normal guy. Oh, not his children. Not, not his children. His right. If it was his children, they'd all be grade C. So, obviously, talking about the guy himself. The so, the same as when we're talking about the Ksuva. So, when you want make sure the guy has a long life expectancy. <laughs> Elalav, minay. We're talking about from him. Amar v'achabar Yaakov. I'm sir for k'suvatish as well. Amar v'achabar Yaakov. Hachadu mayaskinan kigon shenase 
Arave Lenizke Beno Lebalchov Beno Ulexus Kalaso. So certainly totally again not Pshat, but what we're going to talking about here is a case which is neither orphans nor the guy himself. What would be a case that's neither orphans nor the guy himself? Basically, somebody agreed to be a guarantor of the loan. I will be a guarantor of any damages that uh, your animals uh, inflict, or I'll be a guarantor of your normal loan, or I'll be a guarantor to for my for my son, you know, um, for my son to pay off his ksuva. Okay, and then all these people come to me. Okay, so if it's a balchov, he gets my grade B. If it's a nezek, he gets my grade A. The same way the actual person himself. If it's a ksuvastisha. Now we can explain why it's grade C. Because what we're saying is, is that the Ksuvas Isha, this is like our compromise, because we have to concede that there's cases where Ksuvas Isha is grade C that isn't orphans. Everybody is grade C with orphans. So if it's a third party, it's an arrave, as long as it's, if the guy himself, we're going to say it's grade B that you pay your wife for Ksuva. But if it's an arrave, that's where it's going to be grade C. Okay, and now why is that? Why do we say that if everybody else you pay what they would have paid, like grade A and grade B, so when you come to, if I'm a guarantor for my son, for his ksuva, then if the wife is coming to me, I should be paying grade B. Why in that case would I go and pay grade C? Is, is that clear what, happen, what I'm talking, describing here? Yes? Okay, so let's take a look. So the Mars says, the high kidini, the high kidini. Everybody pays according to what their normal law would be. Nizikin bachov to mechayim gavu. Iunami kigavu to mechayim gamagbi. So nizikin bachov normally are collected when the people are alive. So when you go to the guarantor, you collect as if you'd be doing a normal collection. What's a normal collection of a case of bachov uh, or whatever? A normal collection is is grade A or grade B. Your normal collection is when they're alive. Ksuvas isha delacher Ah, but a ksuva, when it is often collected, or maybe with a standard collected, maybe we'll assume, you know, death, the husband dies before the wife in 50% of the cases, right? Let's just assume whatever, right? probably more, because women have longer life expectancy. Well, I don't know, in that day they have less. Yeah, but they, but yeah, anyway, whatever. But divorce happens a lot less than death, okay? So a standard ksuva is collected after death. So here, when it's collected from not the husband himself, but from the arrays, it's collected as a normal collection of aksuva. And a normal collection of aksuva is seen to be a collection from orphans and a grade C collection. Okay? Who are you collecting after death? He's collecting like it's after death. So it's a very convoluted way of reading the Mishnah. Okay, basically we're again trying to say Xus Isha's grade C only when it's from orphans. Clearly the beginning of the mission is not talking about orphans, but what we do is we construct a case that is talking about a guarantor. So guarantor, you're collecting like you would normally collect, grade A or grade B. The one thing that switches is when you're collecting actually the Xuva, because there you collect the way a Xuva is normally collected, since you're not actually collecting directly from the husband, you're collecting the way it's normally collected, and that's defined as collecting grade C and that's how it explains the mission I just want to limit the times when the woman actually is going to collect from the least valuable property right that's the way this sugi is going sugi is going in that direction right make it as small as possible in the language of the 
of the Mishnah that she should collect from the least right. valuable property of the right. asset. Right, right. Now, I do want to say, I explained it even assuming that the person owing the money was alive and you're going to the guarantor. Rashi actually says that we're talking about the person owing the money is dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, but even though the person is dead, in the case of the, lo- of the loan and of the Nezek, you're, enti- you're, you're entitled to collect from him before he died. So when you're collecting from the guarantor, you're collecting based that you're entitled to collect when the guy was still alive, and therefore you're still collecting grade A and grade B. It actually explains the Gemara much better. By the case of the Ksuva, you only became entitled to collect because he died, right? So if the case is that the actual guy was when he died, so even though you're going to the arave, to the guarantor, you're only collecting grade C because you're only entitled to collect because he died. And that scenario entitles you to grade C, right? When the guy dies and the wife collects Luxuva, she's entitled to grade C. So in the first two cases, the, the person was entitled to collect grade A and grade B. The guy dies, he went to the guarantor. The third case, the woman, the guy was entitled to collect grades, grades he was only enti- the woman was only entitled to collect because the husband died that entitled her to grade C and therefore even when she's going to the guarantor she also only collects grade C okay if she's divorced and he's obviously still alive then then she might she might collect grade B. Exactly. Might collect grade B. According to this approach, okay. Uh, well, whatever. We're not done. Let me just read. I know it's eight thirty, but give me one more minute. Just read one more line. The verse is like this. Just just to finish the thought. The table grade the arev d'ksuva lo mishtabed no mishtabed. The verse says one minute. Normally, guarantor doesn't work for ksuva issues because I don't have to worry about it. why not. But basically, because no money changed hands, so the kibbutzin really doesn't accept assume the obligation by ksuva. It says the koblin, a special case of a koblin where basically. Um, money does change hands and um, and therefore he took the money and gave it back and therefore he does obligate himself. So the verse says, You know what? Let's just end here because I have to take this call. Okay, we'll end.